Hillside family. It's Sunday morning. Wait, and welcome wait. to. Where's Dad? Dad. Dave. Dad, it's Dave, time it's for church. church. Whew. You guys ready? Dad, you're late. No, I think the word is fashionably late. Besides, Katie hasn't even done the welcoming yet. Well, I don't know about the fashionable part, but this week we're doing the welcome. Why, Bert? Oh, okay, all right. Well, uh, let's get on and let's do the welcoming then. Okay, well, uh, well, first of all, I, you guys look great. And you look like you could use a shower. Yeah. Really? Oh. Okay, well, welcome here outside. Whether you've taken a shower. Or not. Or you're dressed in your Sunday best. Or not. We'd love to welcome you here this morning to our church service today. What's your name, Dad? <laughs> oh, I'm Dave Singh. I'm Michelle Singh. I'm Sharon Singh. And this is Cooper Singh. <laughs> We're so glad you're here with us today. Yeah, we miss you guys. And... Just echoing that, um, I want to say that like many of you, I really miss coming to church. I miss walking in the building. I miss singing together in the sanctuary. I miss saying hello in the hallways or drinking coffee together at the bridge. Um, but uh, this week, actually today, since it's actually really Wednesday, I was reading in Ezekiel where God's talking to his um, his ex the exiles in Babylon. And he says to them, although I sent them far away and scattered them, yet for a little while, I have been a sanctuary for them wherever they have gone. And that was just a really good reminder for me that uh, for the faithful followers of God, he is always our sanctuary wherever we are. So wherever you are today, um, know that God is your sanctuary. God is our sanctuary as we worship together virtually. Awesome. Uh, well, now's a good time. If you want to take out your phones, get on the Church Center app and you can click on it and then go to the bottom and go check in and you could check in your entire family and then to push next and you are good. All checked in. <laughs> okay. Now to Daniel for worship. Okay. Hillside family. I would like to share a song with you today from Sierra Leone that I wrote many years ago and I'll put the words on the screen so you can understand what I'm singing. Okay, here we go. Tomorrow I get for better, past day. We know say God day with we, now so he say. Setting go change all elect we not see we got good one nine motto he get for be tomorrow get for better tomorrow get for better past the day past the day amen in no been tell we say wahala no go come in a bin tell we say All things go go fine for we oh. He go there with we Electing trongo He go there with we Now that he say No well you are to for tomorrow Then not depend there Tomorrow I get for 
thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. Second verse. And I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. I felt no worth. Made it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. And oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. And oh, it chases me down, fights still I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. And oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh. Shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me There's no one you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me And oh the overwhelming Never ending Reckless love of God And oh it chases me down Fights still I'm found Leaves the 99 and I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. And oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh, thank you for your love. The love that took you to that cross. Love that caused you to come and put on human flesh and became like us. Thank you for that love, oh God. The reckless love of God. Thank you, God. Thank you that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We receive his love all over again. Amen. Amen. Hello and welcome to Hillside. 
My name is Stephen, and it is such a joy that we get to be worshiping together today. Uh, we realize here at Hillside that some of you, during this time of sheltering in place, might have never actually been to Hillside. And today we want to especially welcome you to our church. If you are interested in getting more connected with our church family, all you need to do is go to hillsidecovenant.org, click on Get Connected, and find out some different ways that you can get plugged in to Hillside. We are so excited that you've chosen to worship with us from home, with family, with friends, maybe just with yourself. We're so happy you're with us. Now we're going to turn it over to Dave, Sharon, and Michelle Singh. Take it away, guys. Okay, we're back. Well, is that better? Much better. Good. Well, it's time for announcements. Sharon, you get to go first. You can still sign up for David Nystrom's class on eschatology and revelation, which meets via Zoom on Wednesday afternoons at four o'clock. You can sign up online via the app or contact the Hillside office. Great. You know, I got a letter from my good friend, Dan Carl. It's good to have a pen pal. Yes, and I love that guy. So, well, actually, he sent me an email. <laughs> Not the same. And uh, so I'll just read it. Is that okay? Yeah. So um, to the announcement team, that's, that's us. Okay. So there are currently 23 children without sponsors at the Compassion International Project at Vision Celestial, our church partner in the Dominican Republic. Over 90 children have been sponsored by Hillsiders in the past, and you could be a part of this great tradition by sponsoring one of these children. We would love to see as many of these 23 children sponsored now, particularly during this pandemic, which puts even the poor at greater risk. You know, the cost to sponsor a child is only $38 per month. You can find more information and a link at the Hillside E-News that was sent out by email last Thursday. Click on this link and I'll take you to a website where you can see the children available for sponsorship and register to sponsor one. Or if you want, you can contact my good friend, Dan Carl, directly or through the Hillside office, and he can send you a link and answer any of your questions. An update on the gift cards for the Restore House. Uh, so far, uh, we have delivered cards totaling $960 to our friends at the Restore Houses. This is a beautiful way to be a light to our world and to share in the needs of um, our fellow believers. Great. Now is the time for our offering. You know, our ministries are still going strong with the many mission groups you support, and your financial support is very much appreciated. You know, we have three ways to give currently. You can certainly give online through our website at hillsidecovenant.org slash giving. You could go on to your Cub Connect on your phone, your app, and you can give through the app, app on your phone. And thirdly, you can send in a check to our Hillside uh, office in, at, uh, in Walnut Creek. Let's pray now for our offering. Father God, we so thank you for being a God who meets us wherever we are in whatever circumstances we're in. We now bring to you our tithes, our offerings, and we ask that you bless them and you use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We 
have been redeemed from the power of darkness. And now we are children of the Most High God. We are redeemed. Amen. Seems like all I could see was the struggle. by ghosts that lived in my past Bound up in shackles of all my failures Wondering how long is this gonna last Oh God then you look at this prisoner and say to me, son, stop fighting a fight that's already been won. Amen. And I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains Wipe away every stain I'm not who I used to be I am redeemed All my life I have been called unworthy By the voice of my shame and regret Oh God But when I hear you whisper Try lift up your head I remember oh God You're not done with me yet I am Set me free So I'll shake off these heavy chains Wipe away every stain Cause I'm not who I used to be Because I don't have to be The old man inside of me Cause these days long dead and gone Because I've got a new name and a new life and I'm not the same and a hope that will carry me home I am redeemed You set me free So I'll shake off these heavy chains Wipe away every stain Cause I'm not who I used to be I am redeemed You set me free So I'll shake off these heavy chains Wipe away every stain Cause I'm not who I used to be because I'm not who I used to be 
Hi, Hillside family. Hi, Hillside family. Uh, Munoz uh, family here, and we're um, very honored and uh, thankful to be able to lead the prayer this week um, on Memorial Day weekend, uh, the holiday. And um, I got my little buddy here, Leo. He's going to help us out today. Say hi, Leo. Hi. You miss your church family? Yes. Yeah, I do too. So, if you'll please all join me in prayer, and uh, we'll go before the Lord. God, thank you so much for today. Lord, thank you for the weather. Thank you for... You can go ahead. Thanks, pal. That's safe. Yeah. Thank you for the weather. Um, thank you for the sun. Thank you for the rain. Um, God, we just uh, are just so thankful um, that... <clears throat> You shine upon us, Lord, and that you uh, look upon us with so much love. And um, thank you. We thank you for our Hillside family. Uh, we thank you for what a pleasure it is to um, have such a great group of people that we get to see normally, regularly. And um, God, I pray that they are all doing well. Um, Lord, I, <clears throat> I just want to take this time to... Um, Remember, and remember really those that have served our country um, in war and uh, in the military, all the different branches. I just thank you um, that, Lord, we can live in a country that is free, um, that is um, such a pleasure to live in. And uh, I know, Lord, that the sad truth to that is we have these luxuries because of um, soldiers, uh, both men and women that have died for our freedom. And uh, this weekend uh, and Monday specifically, um, Lord, we remember them. And um, Lord, I also thank you for uh, during all those wars, for all the families that stayed back, for all the mothers and fathers that had to stay home with their family. Um, God, I thank you for them, and I thank you um, that because of their struggle, they were allowed, uh, their mates were allowed to go serve our country. Um, and I know I could only imagine how hard that could have been for months and sometime ye sometimes years, um, being at home alone, times when babies are crying at night and teenagers are slamming doors, and um, they have to deal with that all by themselves. And Lord, I remember them too. Um, <clears throat> Lord, I lift up our soldiers now that are all over the world and uh, here in the States. And um, I pray, Lord, that you would just give them um, the strength to carry on. And Lord, that they would feel appreciated and they would know that we are thankful for them in, in so many different ways. Um, God, in the civilian world, Lord, we are dealing with a true crisis. And um, 
Lord, I, um, I'm personally, Lord, uh, I thank you for the position that you've put me in. And I thank you, Lord, that you've um, allowed me to be in the trenches um, where um, I can serve our community in a different capacity that I've ever done before. Um, and I know my brothers and my sisters at work uh, feel the same way. Um, God, but I also lift up <clears throat> our uh, brothers and sisters in the police, um, police departments, um, sheriff's office, the nurses and the doctors in the um, hospitals that are really trying to get through this time. And um, I pray, Lord, you would give us the strength. Lord, I pray you would give us strength that um, carries us through a normal day. <clears throat> God, I pray, Lord, you would give us um, compassion for those that are struggling, that are hurting, that are scared. Um, help us to meet them where they are. Um, God, give us wisdom to lead, to be leaders in this very um, scary time. Um, God, give us wisdom that only comes from you. Um, so, Lord, we love you and we thank you. And um, you are such a good God. And I pray, Lord, um, that you would just bring us back soon. In your name, amen. Bye. Bye. Mm -hmm. Can I see the video now? Good morning to you, my friends. It's good to be with you today. Before we uh, jump into Philippians, I want to draw our attention to a particular family that has been such a, a vital part of Hillside for the last decade, the Chalemi family. And many of you know John and Daniela and their kids, Paul, Paul Chalemi, Bibble, Olivia, and Jack. And they are moving back to Georgia on June the 10th, just in a couple of weeks. Um, and they're gonna be terribly missed. They have, I think, have deeply impacted so many of our lives, the lives of so many of our kids through sacrifice, service, love, energy, vibrancy. I mean, when the Chalemis are in the building, you know they're here. Are you with me? And so I, I wanna just speak a, a word of blessing over you, John and Daniela, Paul, Bibble, Olivia, and Jack. And just ask God to fill you with everything you need. So as you go, Chalemi family, and as you continue to walk in the way of Jesus, may you be filled with more and more and more grace, knowledge, understanding, insight, love, that agape kind of love. May you be filled with the fruit of the Spirit and every fiber of your being down to the deepest parts of who you are. And may you continue to grow in an understanding that Jesus is for you and not against you, that he loves you, that he's passionate about you. Knowing that you leave behind a family that's going to miss you so dearly, but we are so grateful that you've been such a vital part of us. We ask now that you would go walk in the way of Jesus and may the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ fill you and give you everything you need. Go with God, my friends, and thank you. Bless them, Jesus. Hey, this morning we're uh, jumping into Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. 
We're just like five or six weeks into this thing and now we're just kind of wrapping up chapter one. We got three more to go. But I wanna read it to you. And so I invite you to listen, follow along in your own text at home or wherever you're listening. Hear the words written by Paul to his friends. He said, only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent and only hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel and are in no way intimidated by your opponents. For them, this is evidence of their destruction, but of your salvation. And this is God's doing, for he has graciously granted you the privilege, not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well. Since you are having the same struggle that you saw I had, and now here, that I still have. For the first part of this letter, Paul has primarily been talking about his own struggle, his own suffering, using uh, imagery and language of I'm choosing to rejoice or I'm, I'm choosing to put on a particular mindset, a particular way of living and being in the world. And I'm, I'm making a conscious choice to rejoice. And I think the reason why Paul can say that, even in a Roman prison, is because he sees himself as part of a bigger story. This is not just about Paul and the outcome of Paul's life and the outcome of Paul's career and ministry success. This is about Paul being part of a bigger story, the God's story. And he's choosing to see his own suffering through a particular lens. He's, he's put something on. And this, this lens, part of the lens is what we've been calling the yes position to life, that, that yes position to life is about release. It's about opening ourselves up, even, even the hardest parts of life, saying yes to those. He's saying, I'm all in regardless of the outcome of my life. I'm, I'm all in with the way of Jesus, no matter what. And there's no clause attached to that all inness. It's not, I'm all in as long as. He's put that aside. And he's chosen to put on what he calls the phroneo of Jesus, the thinking, the actions, and the feelings of Jesus. And in order for us to, to put some skin onto this concept of phroneo, we've been calling it the Christ pattern. That's the, the verbiage that we've been using. And the Christ pattern is this pattern that death gives way to life. And there's, there's no other way. That's the path of Jesus because Death leads to greater degrees of life and eventually there's, there's resurrection because as Jesus followers, our, our ultimate hope is deeply rooted in the reality of reaction, re resurrection. But we also know that, that part of this path is, is suffering. And suffering, whether you've experienced it or haven't, it simply means that you haven't lived long enough, but you will experience suffering to different degrees. But, but suffering has a way of pushing out the walls of life. It, it never leaves you where you're at. It changes you. And Paul is reminding his friends in Philippi, there's, there's two choices for you to make here. You, you can choose to go the way of the Roman imperial pattern, or you can continue to choose the Christ pattern. However, remember that the Christ pattern is about downward mobility. It's the pathway of descent. 
And you might feel and it might seem like on the outside that you're losing, but remember, we've now been given the privilege, he calls it the privilege of sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And Paul understands that that suffering has a way of opening us up. And the question of of why is, is rarely helpful when it comes to suffering. Why is this happening? And I think the better question is to ask ourselves, how am I going to respond when suffering comes into my life? And essentially, when we think about suffering, suffering is equated to you no longer have control. And so there's all these different elements of suffering that come into our lives when we lose control. And we either dig our heels in and entrench, we resist because we want to, we want to regain control or, or we break through to greater expansiveness. And that's, that's the path of Jesus. I'm breaking through to greater expansiveness, a, a greater understanding of freedom, a greater understanding of, of inclusion and compassion. Now, in this section of the letter, it can seem a bit confusing because Paul is using language where he's making statements like, if you stand up against your opponent, and when Paul says standing up against your opponent, he's, he's not saying stand up and fight back through force or through revenge. He's saying stand up in the way that Jesus would stand up in the way of peace. But if you stand up against your opponents, this is going to lead to their destruction. Now, this raises a question for me. How how is this going to lead to their destruction? Because it seems like it's going to lead to my destruction or our destruction. Now, these followers of Jesus are under a great deal of pressure. They are sharing in the same crushing pressure that Paul is experiencing in a Roman prison. Now, a little backdrop to give us some context here. If we go deeper into the story in the book of Acts, chapter 16, we are told something significant about the city of Philippi. And it says in chapter 16, verse 12, from there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. It's important to pay attention to the details of the scriptures. When the author gives us these kinds of details, the author is is trying to point us to something and tell us something. And from that, we can know that that Philippi isn't just some city. It's it's a leading city in a Roman colony. That means that it's a, a major cultural center connected to Rome and to the Roman way of thinking, acting, and feeling. So those living in Philippi are deeply rooted in the Roman imperial pattern. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, Paul states this. He says, you know, my brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and had been treated outrageously in Philippi. Don't you love that language? We had been treated outrageously, as you know, but with the help of our God, We dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. They had been treated outrageously in the city of Philippi. This gives us a glimpse into the depth of Paul's words here when he says, I choose to rejoice. I'm making a choice to be content in all circumstance. I'm at peace with God. He says, let the peace of Christ rule 
in our, our hearts, our minds, our feelings, our actions. These are not just big lofty words thrown into the area of comfort and security. These are words coming from people who are actually experiencing crushing pressure. Now, during this time in history, the Caesar of Rome was a man named Nero. And and Nero wanted to be addressed in two particular ways. He made demands on the whole Roman colony to be addressed this way. The first way that he wanted to be addressed was through the word kyrios. And Kyrios is translated as Lord. So I want you to address me as your Lord. So if I come into your region or I I come into your city or you see um, Roman imperial propaganda, you must understand that I, Nero, am your Caesar, am your emperor, need to be addressed as your Lord. This is this uh, Roman imperial pattern to address Nero as Lord. So Nero was Lord of your life. Uh, Nero was Lord of your family. Nero was the reason why you were experiencing peace and prosperity. And all the benefits of being a citizen of Rome were because of the great Nero. You will also address me as Soter, and Soter means savior. You put the two together, address me as Lord and savior. Nero is Lord and savior. He's the one who has led us into battle And the the reason why we've experienced victory over our enemies is because of Nero, our Lord and our Savior. Things like God is on our side and not on their side would quickly get into your ethos and into your culture as a nation. The Caesars were thought of as sons of God. They were divine. They were sent from the heavens down to earth and they were the ones who were bringing the kingdom of God here on earth through, through peace, but also through force. Now, one of the driving narratives that would spin around the Roman Empire was this idea that we are citizens of Rome. And there was a deep sense of pride belonging to the greatest nation, the, the, greatest, the greatest empire that the world had ever seen. We are, we are part of of the rule and reign of our Lord and our Savior. During this time, there was a poet by the name of Claudian, and he wrote this, Rome, Rome alone has found the spell to charm. The tribe that bowed or bowed beneath her conquering arm has given one name to the whole human race and clasped and sheltered them in fond embrace. Now, These Romans were the ones who invented crucifixion. And think about that for a moment. Sheltered them in fond embrace. This is the the propaganda that's spinning around your nation. When a Caesar would come into your region, he would say, I want you to bow down and acknowledge me as Lord and Savior. Acknowledge that everything that you're experiencing is because of the rule and reign of my leadership. Now, years later, there was another emperor, and this is just a side note, but to give you some some deeper understanding of the kind of pressure that these Christians were experiencing, there was another emperor by the name of Domitian. And Domitian was one of these real insecure tyrants, right? This this kind of an insecure leader that probably never experienced shame. 
just would say things off the handle, demanded to be worshiped and adored. And one of the things that Domitian did is he would go into your region, into your city, and he would demand that you take um, your incense and offer it on the altar of Domitian and you would burn incense as a way of saying, you are Lord, you are savior. And then you were to take that incense, the remnants of that incense and place a mark on your forehead. This was you pledging your allegiance. You, You were taking on the mark. Now we read about that in the book of Revelation, right? And in the book of Revelation, John, the revelator is, is making a statement. Don't, don't take the mark of the beast. And if you don't take the mark of the beast, then you can't buy or sell But if you say no to that, then there's the pressure of you will be crucified. This is the fond embrace that Rome is talking about. Or if you didn't take the mark of the beast, then your family was no longer able to buy or sell or be part of of the marketplace. Imagine the kind of pressure to take on the mark of the beast, which is a whole nother sermon, by the way, and that maybe someday we'll get to that. The, The whole book of Revelation, as a side note, is, is a book that's written uh, in the form of what we would call apocalyptic literature. And, and please, please don't refer to it as the book of Revelations. It's the book of Revelation. It's one primary revelation. It's not a series of revelations. And, and because it's a book about apocalyptic literature, it's literally what that means is it's an unveiling. It's telling, it's telling us what's behind the curtain and, and what we see behind it. And it's really ultimately the unveiling of Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is. But back to Nero for a moment. By acknowledging Nero as Lord, by acknowledging him as Lord and Savior, and if not, then you would face persecution, you would face a possible crucifixion, or you would lose your power in the system. This is the charm that leads to fond embrace? Like, really? And anyone, any system that opposed this, anybody who said, no, we won't bow down to your imperial propaganda, uh, things would not go well for you. But if you chose to go the way of Rome, then, then things would go well for you. You would be a citizen of Rome. I mean, like, just, just talk about the ultimate sense of security and safety and prosperity by pledging your allegiance to the nation of Rome under one God, under one rule and reign. It's all about uh, unity and, and being under the authority of one true king. But if you did not respond with an openness and a yes to that, there's no fond embrace waiting for you. Now, this poetry, this propaganda, it was saturated into their way of life. Every Roman colony would live according to this pattern. And it was always for the sake of the greater good, right? Peace and unity for all, as long as we cooperate with the Roman way of life. I'm all in as long as, right? Roman citizenship was like the ultimate place to be as a city, And all you had to do was bow. All all you would had to do is bow and then you would be part of the greatest superpower on earth. Imagine, Imagine being part of a nation that had the most powerful military presence in the world, what that would do to you. And all you had to do was pledge your allegiance to the Roman way of life and you would experience peace and prosperity. That's called Roman propaganda. Go our way and you will be met with fond embrace. Oppose us and you will be crushed. 
And along comes Paul and he uses language like, remember, you're citizens of heaven. I mean, that's a, that's a big statement right there. And when Paul talks about you are citizens of heaven, he's not talking about one day you'll be citizens of a place out there in the clouds. He's talking about, no, you're citizens of God right here, the kingdom of God here on earth. Live in it now, experience it now. And what Paul is doing is, is he's writing subversive poetry. He's spinning out subversive wisdom and theology and truth in the face of the Roman imperial way of life. And he's saying, listen, things are about to get really intense here in Philippi. And what you're about to go through is it's actually gonna get harder and harder. In fact, all of you are experiencing the same kind of crushing pressure that I'm experiencing here in a Roman prison. But let me remind you of something. We stand together. We are united together. We are praying together. We are suffering together for the cause of Christ. We are loving one another. And then he says, but consider it pure joy that we too get to share in the gift of the sufferings of Jesus. Because we made a choice to live in accordance to the Christ pattern, not the Roman pattern. We will not, we will not bow down to your imperial propaganda. Remember, we are seeking to bring peace and harmony to our world, but through relationships with one another, through choosing the way of Jesus. And we believe that God is going to redeem and bring the world, all of it, back into right relationship with himself, all of creation, not through Rome, and not through any nation. God doesn't choose sides. We, we are living in a system right now, you think about it, that is opposed to the way of Christ. Imagine if you're part of, of the Roman military, you're, you're all in with the propaganda, and you see a group of men and women who are standing up against the most powerful army in the world. Now, in, on the surface, it would seem like they're the ones who are about to face destruction, right? Because it really depends on how you see oppressive, cruel regimes. If you see them as wrong, then, and you see this powerful army coming your way, you don't see peace coming your way. You, you see destruction coming your way. And there's two different ways that you could read this situation. You could say, this is their destruction, or you could say, this is truth. This is bravery, this is courage, and it all depends about what side you're coming from. And I think what Paul is saying here is it looks like it's going to appear like your destruction, like it's the end for you, but it's actually leading to your salvation. Now, the fact that you're not going to let them intimidate you, that it's going to appear like you're done, you're doomed. But in reality, it's leading to your salvation. And this is from God. What I think Paul is saying here is extremely important because Paul is saying, listen, don't be intimidated by your opponents. When you stand strong to them, it's going to look like your destruction, but in reality, it's leading to your salvation, and this is from God. Now, what in the heck is Paul saying here? If you stand with Christ, you are going to be given the gift of suffering. You are going to be counted as worthy of suffering with Christ, and this is a gift. Now, Paul is not talking about natural disasters here. He's not talking about disease. He's not talking about pandemics. He's not talking about 
being obnoxious for the sake of Christ in the world. You know what I'm talking about, right? I think what Paul is getting at here is that when you do the right thing in the face of opposition, when you tell the truth and no one else is, when you follow Christ and you decide to go the way of Jesus in a world and in a system that is heading in the opposite direction, you are going to be graced with suffering. For Paul, salvation and suffering is a gift. Now, when Paul's talking about suffering, he's not talking about random suffering. He's not talking about, well, you know, it's just been a rough year kind of suffering. He's talking about the kind of suffering that's going to be redeemed. The Christ pattern, right? Death leading to life, resurrection. This suffering is that that person who did the right thing. They took some hits. It was hard. But what they did inspired all of us to live more truthfully and more honestly, to live with more passion and a core conviction for the cause of Christ in the world. It's that kind of, of suffering that costs something. You see, what, when Christianity becomes too polished, too easy, too easy to swallow, too showy or, or wrapped up in a cute production or a cute sermon, it just like makes me want to vomit. And now I understand why. Because living according to the Christ pattern, to God's pattern in the world, well, it led Jesus to the cross, to humiliation. And it's the same path for every one of us that have said yes to Jesus. And what seemed like his destruction and what seemed like the end of his revolution actually led to resurrection. And guess what? That's the same for every one of us. If you've chosen to proclaim Jesus as Lord, what you are saying is Caesar is not. If you have chosen to live with Christ and you've said, I'm all in no matter what, you think about what that means in a world that's falling apart all around us. Right, you think about if you are living according to the Christ pattern, how is that not going to bump up against systems that control our world? If you decide to put on a spirit of generosity, how are you not going to bump up against the spirit of greed, which is so prevalent in our society today? If you choose to put on the posture of forgiveness and not be collecting debts from people, things that have happened to you years ago, but you're choosing to send it away and not hold it against that person, but you are setting them free, how are you not gonna bump up against a system of revenge that says you have got to get your way? We, we live in a system that promotes revenge. Like this is how you deal with your enemies. This is how you deal with those who've hurt you. You make sure that they get theirs. They get what's coming to them. This is like, this is what we would call a, like an antichrist way of being. Anything that opposes the way of Jesus in the world is, is that antichrist posture. The way of Jesus, the way of the gospel is about the path of descent. And the world we live in, let's be honest, this, this world we live in, this nation we live in is all about raising yourself up, your rights, your freedom. It's all about us. And if we choose the way of Jesus, at some point, we're going to experience some conflict. I mean, friends, listen, if, if Christianity is about coming to an event you know, like I came, I put my money in the plate, I got what I needed. We sang my favorite song. 
I'll see you next week. Maybe not. We'll see what comes up this weekend. When, when Christianity gets too hip, too trendy, too slick, too sexy, whatever it may be, something is seriously wrong. It, it, it just becomes about parking problems and noise. Or when it just becomes about musical preference or worship preference, it's like, my goodness, have we forgot that we're a part of a revolution? If there's no space for suffering, then how is it truly of Christ? A Christianity with no cross at the center of it is not Christianity at all. It's something else. And what I hear in the invitation of Christ, come and follow me. And remember, nowhere in the scripture does it talk about uh, us asking Christ into our lives. In fact, Jesus says, come and follow me. Come and enter into my heart. Take on the phroneo, all of me. Abide in me. Welcome to the pathway of descent. Welcome to the Christ pattern. And what I hear in this invitation from Jesus is join me in the cause of the world to take up your cross, bleed, suffer, lose, be graced with the gift of suffering. There's, no, there's nowhere in the scripture where it says, hey, accept Christ and all will be well for you. You will quickly discover that this is not the case. That, we're talking about something completely different. Listen, sometimes doing the right thing will mean that that you're alone. And sometimes it might just be two of you. Everyone else is headed in that direction and, and you're heading in this direction. And, and sometimes it's gonna look like your destruction, but it's actually a sign of your salvation and more freedom and more expansiveness and more openness and, and more of the Christ pattern living and breathing inside of you. I mean, it's like, how far are you willing to take this thing? How, how deep are you willing to go when you start talking about trusting Christ and trusting him for the pathway of our lives. Do, do you have a sense that Christ is leading you somewhere right now and that it's going to cost you something? And that what seems like your destruction is actually taking you to greater levels of salvation and, and more expansiveness? Or how about this? Like, what if, what if our kids, oh my gosh, now we're talking, right? What if our kids actually decide to go down the pathway of Jesus and to invest their lives in something that they're passionate about for the cause of Christ in the world, and it's not what we envisioned for them, and it, and it doesn't really match with this college education that we've given them, but they've, they've chosen to say yes to Jesus, and they're choosing this path, and it might seem like their destruction, but is there a chance that it might actually be leading them to their salvation? Hmm. If you know at your core that you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you're gonna be fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. Let me ask you a few questions. And I want us to take like some honest inventory deep inside of our own lives and our own hearts. And the first question is this. Is there, is there any Nero who is demanding your allegiance right now? The Nero of the almighty dollar. The Nero of accomplishment. The Nero of what others will think. The people pleaser Nero, you know of this one? I, I can't say no to that. My, my mom's gonna get upset. The Jesus path 
is to resist that Nero, I'm gonna say no to that and choose the pathway of Jesus. Is there any master working for your allegiance and your loyalty right now? Jesus is Lord and Savior. And we will not bow to any system, any nation, any ideology, anything that opposes the way of Jesus in the world. We say no to that. And we say yes to the pathway of Jesus, the Christ pattern of thinking, acting, and feeling. Jesus, now we choose to put on the whole phroneo of Jesus, all of it. And we ask you to come, Spirit, and, and fill us with everything that we need so that we can completely give everything over to you. Even the parts of us that are resisting right now, give us the courage to say, here, we lay it down at your feet. We will not bow down to your imperial propaganda. Anything that opposes the way of Jesus, we say no. And we say yes to Christ in his way. My friends, I mean, this is, this is the real deal. Sit with it. Sit with it. And may the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be with all of you. Amen. Praise, what have you done? Murdered for me on that cross. Accused in absence of wrong. My sin washed away in your blood. Too much to make sense of it all I know that your love breaks my fall The scandal of grace You died in my place So my soul will live Oh, to be like you Give all I have just to know there's no one beside you Forever the hope in my heart Death, where is your sting? The power is as dead as my sin The cross has taught me to see my heart now to sing the day and its trouble shall come I know that your strength is enough the scandal of grace you died in my place so my soul will live and oh to be like all I have just to know you, 
master know you Jesus there's no one beside you forever the hope in my heart yeah. and it's all because of you it's all because of you, Jesus. It's all because of your love that my soul will live. And oh, to be like you, give all I have just to know you, Jesus. There's no one beside you forever the hope in my heart amen and oh to be like you give all I have just to know you Jesus there's no one beside you forever the hope in that one more time oh to be like you give all I have just to know you Jesus there's no one beside you forever the hope in my heart amen what a prayer I'm part of the team that is trying to figure out the best way for Hillside to begin gathering together. One of the things that Shelter in Place has reminded us is that the church is not a building, the church is people. And we're grateful for the ways that our church has continued to live out the gospel during these times. We're also excited to be able to gather together once again. Thank you for those of you who have been checking in on the church app each Sunday. It's a helpful tool for us to make sure that we are keeping in touch and staying connected with everyone. We have a great team that is working to determine our best way to begin gathering together as safely and thoughtfully as possible. With me on this team are Jonathan Woolner, our lead pastor, Claudia Young, our council chair, Michelle Miller, who's oversees facilities and cleanliness, Kate Andrews, who's keeping track of health practices and standards, Christine Gilmore, who's informing us of our Pacific Southwest Conference and other church practices. Francis Harala, who's monitoring state and county guidelines. And Cheryl Gerlich, who is looking at safe practices for children. Our focus is to determine the best ways to re-enter by first and foremost trusting God, as well as following government guidelines and being safe and wise as possible in our decisions. Well, we will do our best to determine the smartest way forward, we know we will not do this perfectly. And it is important for us to remember that everyone will need to decide for themselves what they feel is the best and safest way for them to personally re-enter. We need to show love and support to people regardless of whether they decide they need to stay sheltered in place longer or are ready to gather sooner. That is what it means to be the bride of Christ. We love each other with all of our differences, not in spite of them. We will keep you posted as decisions are made and in the meantime, I want to conclude our time today with this benediction from Romans 15, 5 and 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement 
grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. May you have a blessed week.